morning. Our New Testament scripture reading this morning comes from Acts, the second chapter, verses 46 through 47. You'll find that on page 7072 in your pew Bible. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and then ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And also Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, which is found on page 664 in your pew Bible. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places for the choir director on my stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. When our teaching pastor, Jim Barnett, worked out this series, I thought it was a, a beautiful series, so well done, so well put together, uh, I was just thankful to be a part of the team, Uh, and I've known for weeks that I would be doing this uh, sixth, the last week in the series, uh, and then it was on community and rejoicing. So that's been in my mind over the past month, month and a half. I've been looking at scripture verses, um, uh, thinking about and praying what would God want me to say and to emphasize, and I, I really... I'm frustrated because I don't like what I've discovered, to be honest with you. I'm all for rejoicing and being joyful, but I kind of want a break every now and then. I'd sort of like to, to be able to uh, have some downtime, so to speak, and, uh, and, and yet it's not here. I can't find it. I want you to stay with me because I want to do teaching through this and I want to do it very carefully. So I want you to listen to me very carefully uh, as we walk through what I believe is a command given most plainly by the Apostle Paul. But I can't, you know, sometimes you just like to blame things on Paul. He's kind of easy to do that with. I can't just blame it on Paul. I've gone through the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's there. When Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice. I mean, and we're going to talk about that very specifically in just a few moments. But my experience, as many of you know, over the last six weeks, has included being in places like Tororo, Uganda. And in Tororo, Uganda, we're out in a field and it's dusty, it's hot. And they've built a platform. They're going to have a worship service. And I wish you could see this platform. You're thinking, don't stand on that, anybody. It's going to fall through. There's no inspector in the state of Alabama that would have approved that platform. It was made rough lumber, four uh, posts on the corner. And up on the platform are beautiful pastor's wives who are dressed in a beautiful uh, outfits, and they're singing, Hey, Sue, he's the Alpha, the Omega, Baba, and, and they're dancing. 
And the joy is, is just, it's overflowing. And the people out here who come from some of the worst circumstances in the world are singing and they've got branches. And, and with the branches they've formed a line and they're dancing in this line. They're singing that song, Esu, he's the Alpha, the Omega. He's our Baba. And, and over and over in the music... Uh, is going the rejoicing is just is just so energizing and and also in Lloyd Talk Talk I'm in Lloyd Talk Talk one of the poorest places uh, on the continent of Africa with the Maasai tribe and we're driving into this little church and and just driving through squalor to be quite frank to be quite honest and going back up what we would call alleys and to get back there and they've got a worship center which is just a a metal building uh, a barn roof on the sides barn roof on the top and they're in there and they start the same thing they start their worship time and the rejoicing is electrifying they're dancing everybody in there is dancing and it's just like somebody has just given them the greatest news they've ever heard in their whole life. They're just shaking, dancing, and, and praising God and rejoicing in those experiences. And the truth of the matter is that if we were to go to some of the poorest places in the world, not just Africa, South America, Central America, Inglenook, if you were at Inglenook this morning when Truvine starts, man, it's like somebody flipped a switch and it's electrifying the rejoicing. So why is it, and this kept bothering me for the past weeks, why is it that in some of the poorest places, some of the poorest places in the world, the rejoicing, the joy is up here? I couldn't square that. I kept trying, you know, I'm thinking, hey, we live in, and I know some of you are going to disagree with me, but trust me, if you're in this room this morning, you are rich. You're thinking, you don't know, Tim, I'm telling you, trust me, you are wealthy. And you would think that the wealthiest of us, when the praise and the joy starts, whoop! I'm trying to square that experience. And I'm bothered by the fact that Paul said, Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. And we'll look at that verse again in just a moment. But I love this passage from Habakkuk because Habakkuk is written in one of the worst and most dismal circumstances in the history of the world. This is a time when Judah is at its absolute worst and lowest. The leaders of Judah had been um, horrible to the people. They had robbed them, stolen. I'm talking about the Jewish leaders of Judah had done that. And, and poverty was unbelievable. Uh, and, and there was no justice system. You could not seek a recrimination. You couldn't seek justice. It just wasn't there. It was horrible. And then, <laughs> and then God comes along 
and he says in the first two chapters of Habakkuk, it's going to be a lot worse because not only is it awful in Judah, but I'm bringing the Babylonian empire in here and they're taking over. Can you imagine being in a situation where it's 90% as bad as it could be and God comes along and says to you, you're going to catch the other 10% very quickly. Now you think about that situation. Think about being in a situation that if you found out today, it's all gone. What if you found out today it's all gone? The IRAs, 401K, your job, the motor in your car dropped out, the bank said, oh, by the way, sorry, can't loan you any more money, uh, yada, yada, hey, your house burned down, and uh, all, the, all your landscaping, you know, that irrigation system you put in, it ain't working, we're in a drought, and it's all gone. Think about that. That's where they were in Habakkuk, and, and Habakkuk comes along, and I want you to listen so carefully. Because we as a community have got to learn this. God taught it to me within the last few weeks. I didn't understand it. I'm just telling you that right now. I didn't. We've got to understand this as a community. Habakkuk comes along, Habakkuk comes along and he says, Though the fig should, tree should not blossom, or fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I take joy in the God of my salvation. Here's what God has taught me. And I hope you'll listen to this very carefully. God has taught me that we're to be a rejoicing people. We're to be a joy-filled tribe no matter what the circumstances are. Now that's real easy to say this morning because quite frankly the, the circumstances are pretty nice in here, aren't they? Padded pew, nice clothes. We all smell pretty nice. Everybody looks pretty nice. It's easy to say. But if that were to change, and it could, I'm no prophet, but it could change. Could we say with Habakkuk, hey, we'll rejoice in God the Father. Even if I lose it all, I will have joy. I will rejoice in Him. That's what God is teaching me uh, over the past few weeks. And I'll just be honest with you, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I revolted from it. I, I went through my Bible and I was trying to find exceptions, Old Testament, New Testament. I thought I had it once, and then that all kind of melted away. And, and so here we are, Philippians 4.4. 4. Uh, Paul says it, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's just like he knew that uh, some of us would be in the room because, and some of us would say, hey, Paul, you know, that sounds good, but... You know, I lost my mom yesterday or, or my baby, just whatever. You know, so he comes right back and he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, I will say it again, in case you didn't get it, rejoice. So I want you to meet a friend of mine. 
He's going to help us understand this. Daniel Waruri. Daniel Waruri is one of the best friends that I have in this world. I've known him for years. I love him. He's a brother. And uh, I want to just ask him a few questions. I want you to talk into the microphone, Daniel, if you don't mind. Daniel, you and I came to know each other years ago. Uh, you were in East Tennessee uh, with your wife. So, so you have told me that when you were living in Kenya, you lived in a disputed area. Now, mo- most of us can't understand that, but, but uh, a warring situation, people come along and say, I know you've lived here for 50 years, and, and this is your home, and et cetera, but you're out because it was my land for hundreds of years prior to that. Daniel was living in one of those areas in Kenya, so tell us about that, Daniel. Uh, yes, I was. And uh, the area that I lived for many years was disputed by a, a group called the Kalenjin. And I'm a tribe, my tribe is Kikuyu. And, and so every time that there was going to be an election, uh, they would want us to move away so that they can elect a person that they feel they want to elect of their own choice so we don't mess with their person that they wanted. And so they would do that all the time. And so every five years, we would have to, to, to run away. And we would have to burn our homes and destroy our crops. And this was no exception. Uh, the last time that they did that was 2007 when we had an election there. And uh, they, they uh, as usual, they came and they had organized themselves and they came and burned down our our, our, our our areas and, and our homes. Let me ask you this, Daniel. You yeah. told me that, that when you were there with your children yeah. and your wife, every night when you went to sleep, what were you thinking? Every night when I went to sleep, I was worried that somebody would come and knock the, uh, and, and uh, smash the door. The people would come and, and, and take what we have. And so I never told this to my wife, but every night, the slightest sound would wake me up because I'd be thinking, now they're here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I never had to sleep soundly like I do. When I came to this country, I have had the best sleep that I, 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 could, I could think of. But I never used to do that because I, I, every, every, in the morning you thank God nobody came. But yeah. every, every night, that's, that's my thought. And I had the, uh, you were here with your wife, and I had the great privilege of doing a, yes, uh, yes. a marriage. See that yes. ring? See that wedding ring? Yes. Yes. I had the great privilege of doing a Tennessee wedding yes. Yes. Uh, for Daniel. He'd been married in the Kikuyu tradition, uh, but uh, did a Tennessee wedding. And your wife went back there to live with the children. Yes. Now tell me, you got a phone call. You're in East Tennessee. Yes. You got a phone call from Kenya one night. Tell me about it. Yes, that. yes. It was in, in January 2007 when, again, uh, the clashes had begun like they do. And I was hoping that uh, maybe my family would not be affected. But one night, uh, she called me and, and she said, uh, they are here. There had been rumors that they will be coming in, in our area, but we, we hoped they would not. And, and therefore, my wife and my children spent the night on the couch, and they would call me, thank God for the phones, for, uh, phone, uh, uh, cell phones. So, so I'll ask them to call me every five minutes or just text me to know that they are safe. And so they would do that. But somewhere in the middle of the night, they called me and, say, and, and they said, uh, well, they're here now. 
uh, we can see them burning the ridges around us. And I asked them uh, to, to run to the police station. And then I thought the police station might be blocked by these people. And as I was trying to find a way to, to, to help them, which I could not because I was far away and I felt just helpless, uh, my wife said, I have to leave now and I will talk to you uh, later. And uh, that was one of the worst uh, phone calls that I ever received because I could not uh, breathe. I could, my, my, my feet started to feel wobble, wobbly and I sat down. I tried to pray. I could not pray. And then I remembered my pastor, and I, and I called him and asked him to, to pray with me. And we prayed, and it, for, for, the, for the next, I'd say, 30, 40 minutes, it was very agonizing because I did not know whether my family would live through that. But uh, thank God that after uh, that time, they call, she called me again and said, we are out, we are, we are out of it, we have, we have run away. It felt so good. Your family, uh, your wife and your children ended up in a refugee camp in Tanzania. Yes. Would you tell us what that was like? Yes, my family left from my home. They went to a refugee camp that was manned by UNHCR in Kenya. Uh, but the situation in Kenya was still bad, and therefore they had to cross over into Tanzania to a neighboring country. Uh, into a refugee camp. Uh, the name of the place was Longida Camp, and I've shared with you this before, even when you were up there yeah. in, in Oxville. And this, 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 this is a refugee camp that is enclosed. The government helps you, encloses a place for you. You're not wanted there. They want you there just for, for now so you can go back to your home. And the, my, my family lived there for seven months, almost a year, uh, I'd say. And that was, again, one of the t toughest times for me because I knew that it was uh, a refugee camp, no supplies, and, and my wife would call me and tell me that it is too hot. It is too hot in here, and, and, and they were hoping, you know, that everything would be okay, and it, it was, again, a very trying time for me. I, 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 prayers uh, kept me and, my, and my, 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 my church. We kept praying, but it was a very difficult time for me for, for that time. Now, your oldest daughter has been able to come here, and she's in the University, university of Tennessee. Okay. God, God has been graceful, gracious to us because my daughter then applied to come here to school, and she was accepted here, and so now she's here. She's 25. She goes to University of Tennessee. And, um, and uh, then we, we initiated uh, the process mm -hmm. of... of um, of, of my being, getting the paperwork here so that my family can come here. Okay, well tell us, uh, yeah. I've been in this experience, Daniel went to Memphis and uh, met with the INS folks. I have said in one of those meetings, not Daniel's, when someone is uh, seeking asylum in America, and I can tell you it's a brutal process. Uh, and uh, Daniel was in that seeking asylum because of the persecution seeking asylum for his wife and two children and two who children. are still there, and, and what happened in that meeting? And uh, so uh, it, it, it took a long process from 2009 to when we began, but finally, I, I, you know, go, uh, you mentioned this year, then go come back next year, and come back next year before you mentioned. And then the last time that I was, was there, which was 2011, in March of 2011, uh, after the judge listening to, to me, uh, she, he, she said that I, cannot, I had been denied. I had been denied asylum 
to my family. She, the, she said I, could st- I was given a stay, which means that my, my place, my home area was unsafe. And so I could stay here as long as I could, but my family would not come here. And I, like I said, I, I haven't seen them, I had not seen them, I haven't seen them really, my, my two, two, two children since 1999. He hasn't seen the two children yeah, since, since 1999. 1999. And, and tell us what happened though. Uh, you went out to your car. Yes, yes. When, when, she, when she said that, I went to my car and I thought that was it. I thought I felt I was going to give up. And, and so I just, at one point, I just broke down and I, I cried so hard. And then I said to myself, um, I, I, I know that nobody has seen me crying. Uh, but I said to God, you have seen me. You have seen me crying. And because you know me, uh, I'm going to give uh, to trust in you. And then when I called my wife, I told her what had happened. She said the same thing. She said, God has been with us all this time. Let us continue trusting him because that's all we can do. And I have continued trusting him because we know that he know, I know that he, he, knows, he knows us and he knows our future. And, and uh, when he says that he uh, uh, cried, uh, that's no small thing because a Kikuyu man doesn't do that. Yes. He's been taught all of his life yes. that you don't do that. And especially, he said, he said there's no one that can see me. Yes. Uh, that's, that's the only reason you did that, right? That's the only reason. You I would did. have never done that. No, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't do that. I was with okay. the people there, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I waited until I got into the car. Okay. And, and, and now, now I, I can say that because now when I look back, now my family is going to come here. Now I, I feel I can say that, but I had to wait until I get my car so I could, I could, I could, I could you know, uh, and, release and, myself. And you found out somehow, miraculously, the judge, yeah. which never happens... But the judge changed her mind, right? Yes, yes, yes. After I had gone home, and the, the judge had given us another day to, I do not know what it was that she wanted to, after she had given us a stay, asked the, the attorney to call. She said, the attorney doesn't have to come to Memphis because we had to drive, I had to drive from Tennessee, uh, Knoxville to Memphis, and my attorney lives in, in, in Maryland. She said, you don't have to come, but you, we can have a conference on the phone. And so that day came, and the, and the judge talked to the attorney. And then the attorney called me and said, you, guess what? Uh, the, the, the judge has received her decision, so she has granted you the asylum. Now, here's the point that I want to make for us. I know this man very well, and I've, gone, I've been through this, uh, much of this circumstance with him. What you don't know is that he's the worship leader of Imani Fellowship, which is an African immigrant church in Knoxville, and, and when I was there, they were running maybe 80, 90, 100 people. And these are all people with tremendous needs. Many of these people came out of Burundi uh, with, with the horrible things going on there, came here with, uh, uh, as refugees and et cetera. Now, you can imagine Daniel, he's the worship leader. Can you imagine the smile on his face and the rejoicing and the joy the Sunday after he got the call where the judge had changed their mind. Here's what you don't know. I know what, his, what he was like prior to that. And I know Daniel well enough to know that he was rejoicing and had joy in his heart in leading worship at Imani even in the bad and the dark days. Now, he's not going to tell you that, 
but I know him well enough that thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we love you. He's not going to tell you that, but I know that. And, you know, I've got a lot more scripture passages, and I've got a lot more sermon, but I think it's been preached. I think it's been said. Uh, I really didn't like where God took me in this study because I've had times when I've come into worship services and, and things have been pretty hard, pretty dark. There was a time when I was... My mother, or my mother and my sister had died uh, pretty quickly. My dad was in uh, ICU in the hospital, and I'm, and I'm in a worship service. And I won't be honest with you. I mean, I didn't, you know, it wasn't a woo-hoo, uh, praise the Lord kind of a deal. I was pretty down. So here's the point. We are, some of us, we're going to walk into this sanctuary in days that are going to be difficult. We're going to have difficult days. There, there may be someone here who's lost a job or, or, or lost a, a, a loved one or whatever. But there are others of us who, who uh, can help lift in joy and rejoicing. We can help those people, our brothers and sisters who may come in here and it might be a little difficult. But the key to the whole thing is, is where I started with Habakkuk. If we come into worship as a community and we're basing our experience on our external circumstances, we're going to have some bad Sundays. Okay? But if we come into worship as we're supposed to and it's not based on our external circumstances, but it's based on the character and the love of our Heavenly Father and what He has done for us. That's where Habakkuk came down. He said, the fig tree dies up, there are no grapes on the vine, no sheep in the pen, no cattle on the hill, still I am rejoicing in you. And that's where we need to be as a tribe. We need to be coming together and helping each other rejoice and, and sharing that joy that we have in our hearts because we know Him and we know that He loves us and cares for us. Just like I know that Daniel's, uh, whether it was the day before he got that call, the Sunday before or the Sunday after, I know Daniel well enough to know that, that he had joy in his heart, not based on his circumstances, but based on his Heavenly Father. Let's stand and sing a hymn. Uh, if you would like to make some kind of response, I would invite you to do that. You may be here and uh, you may uh, want to move your membership to Brookwood Baptist Church. You may be thinking, hey, I'd love to be a part of a church like that. You know, there are bigger churches in town. I'm sure there are some that have uh, this or have that. But I can tell you this, the people of Brookwood Baptist Church love each other, stand with each other, we got your back. So you want to be a part of a fellowship like that, you come on and uh, you link up with us and uh, you might have a great day, you might have a bad day, but we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So let's, let's see. We cannot make it on our own.